Welcome to So What Else. My name is Caitlin Elliott and I love talking to people. I love hearing people's stories, the big important things they've been through, and also the random stuff. We're going to talk about it all here. This podcast is just me talking with fascinating people so that we can all hear what they have to share with the world. So what else? Hey guys, welcome to this episode of So What Else. Uh, This week is a little bit different. You know, when I started this podcast, um, what I wanted to do with it was just bring people on who had really powerful stories to share that I thought could help other people. Um, And you know, a lot of you have asked about my brother Joe. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, basically about six and a half years ago, my older brother died um, really suddenly and unexpectedly. So in this episode, Scott, my husband, interviews me and my two sisters, Emily and Caroline, about just our experience going through that. Just um, we reflect and remember about Joe and his life. And we also talk about his death and what it's been like um, moving forward as a family from that. So this episode is one of my stories. So here you go. Hello. Welcome to this episode of So What Else? totally different format this week. Usually it's me and somebody on Zoom, but tonight it is me, my sister Caroline, my sister Emily, and my husband Scott. And I'm just going to pass the mic right over to him because he's going to run the show today. What's up guys? I get to be in charge today. So uh, thanks for letting me be here with you. Hey, listen, it is a different format tonight, but we wanted to first say thank you because we've been so just Thankful for the guests and this experience. We've been blown away by you know what's happened already. And so thank you to all of you that listen and comment and share uh, the helpful parts of this. Um, but also we want to say thank you to everybody that's been on the show and has shared their very vulnerable and intimate, difficult experiences. Um, because what's cool about that is we've gotten the responses from people that that has helped mm-hmm. and how it's changed their lives and been such a blessing. And so we're so thankful to everybody that's been willing to do that. Um, and because of that, uh, these three girls, Caitlin, Caroline, and Emily, have agreed to actually share from what their most difficult experience as well in hopes that maybe it will help somebody as well. And um, you know that you guys might be able to take something from that. So we are excited and nervous to get to share some of this but girls thank you so much for being here who is the most nervous tonight raise your hand (laughs) raise your hand (laughs) so people can see (laughs) emily is the most nervous yeah well so we need to tell everybody what we're going to be talking about uh it was you guys's most difficult experience um caitlin why don't you tell us what what we're talking through tonight yeah so um a lot of people that are listening probably uh, are aware of this some of you Maybe are not, but um, clearly I have my two sisters, Emily and Caroline, but about uh, six and a half years ago, um, our older brother um, died very suddenly. And obviously that's, you know, a huge part of our story and who we are today. And um, we just wanted to kind of talk about him and his life and our life since he has left and just all that all that stuff yeah and listen i mean we're gonna keep it to probably about an hour this episode but there's no way we can get to everything in this hour it's there's a lot packed into this um but what we will do i'm going to make caitlin put a picture of her brother joe is his name in the show notes because he's a a good looking guy and we just love him to death and uh so we're uh, excited just to kind of talk about him tonight as well as the experience of it. So um, 
why don't you guys tell me what was, uh, explain Joe to everybody, you know, from even early on, like in his life, I know a a brother, he was the the oldest, right? Yeah, so Joe was the oldest, I was three years younger than him, then Emily was four years younger than me, and then Caroline is five years younger than her. So it's like every time... My parents were like, we needed one more year. Yeah, a little, a little longer. Um, Joe was had like such a dry Mm. sense of humor, but a very like refined sense of humor. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, he didn't really laugh at stupid stuff. Like, he laughed if something was really funny, and he made jokes that were like very sarcastic Mm -hmm. and funny. I mean, like my favorite thing, the thing I always refer to about him is like, I remember when I was living in Colorado, Scott, like you and I must have just been dating then or something. And I was flying home for Christmas. So it was like, I don't know, it was like December 22nd, 23rd, something, but I had the flu. So I realize now admitting that I got on a plane, like to fly home with a flu, people are probably like judging me intensely, but this was like right. pre-COVID. Especially I don't know. during COVID times. Yeah, exactly. They're like, oh great, I can right. really trust her. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> I promise I'm trustworthy. But basically I like had the flu, fever, just like really sick. And of course I'm on the phone like with my mom, like, oh, like my flight tomorrow, like blah, 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 whatever. And so then... This story gets relayed to me later, but basically my family, if you've listened to the Meet My Family episode, you know that we're all, like, really mean to each other. (laughs) So basically, my mom, like, gets off the phone with me and reports to the family, like, oh my gosh, like, you know, Caitlin's flying home tomorrow, but she's sick. Like, she has a flu. And my dad immediately was like, oh, well, like, I can't pick her up at the airport and be around her because, like, I have to preach on Christmas Eve. Like, she can't get me sick. And my mom was like, well, I'm hosting Christmas Day, so, like, I can't get sick. And Emily was like, I'm singing at the Christmas Eve service. Like, I can't get sick. And Caroline had no reason, but she was just like, I'm a child. I don't want to get sick. She didn't have a driver's license. Yeah, exactly. So then Joe, like, then there's, like, awkward silence, and Joe was like, well, I mean, I got nothing going on. So yeah. like, he goes, I'll take one for the team. I guess I'll get her. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he just was like, uh, all right, wait, well, Where are you coming home from? Colorado. Oh. <laughs> oh, that is funny. That's perfect. I remember, yeah, he had this great sense of humor where he, he wouldn't, you know, you guys are sitting there going crazy at yeah. family dinner, laughing, Screaming, loud, whatever. Yeah. And he'd just kind of sit in the background and wait for that moment. Yes. And he would drop that one line that sent everybody over Every, the edge. Oh, yeah. Or hilarious. just like a well-placed eye roll. Yes. Or yes. a mm-hmm. flick. Like, yes. he would do that yeah. too. Like mm-hmm. A shove, a push. Yeah. <laughs> a nice shove onto the couch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the floor. So, since this, everyone's listening... Number one, and haven't met Joe. What do you look like? Give us a picture, like, you know. He dark. had really, really dark, like black, basically, curly hair. Yes. Yeah. Fair like, skin. Lovely hair. Yeah. Fair skin. If he was out in the sun for five minutes, he'd be a, a radish. A radish. <laughs> I know, poor thing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, like. Just like that, just that gentle face. You just, yes. You just yeah. like, when you meet him, you just want to hug him. He's yes. so great. Mm-hmm. He had a nice smile. A really yeah. nice smile, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll put we'll put a picture in. Yeah. yeah. And then just, so his personality, he was very, you know, sat back and did that. But mm-hmm. then, you know, he obviously, Joe faced some challenges too. Mm-hmm. So what were some of those challenges that kind of defined his personality? Yeah, I guess a lot of people don't realize, um, like, you know, obviously when people know that our brother died, um, they don't realize that there was kind of like a whole life before that that was also a struggle Mm -hmm. for mostly him and all of us too 
um, because he had a he had severe OCD um, and bipolar depression, um, and he had to deal with that for all of his life, and it would get worse. Um, I think it got especially worse during the end of college for him, mm-hmm. um, and I think just every year after that we just all kind of saw a steady decline mm-hmm. yeah when did when did it first start like when did you notice there were some difficulties so considering that so he was the oldest right so we, we were younger than him so you know we didn't understand a lot but like if you ask my parents you know they said that uh they noticed some things like as a toddler, you know, you just kind of write it off as like a tantrum or whatever. But then like, as he got a little Mm -hmm. older, um, like there was a time, you know, uh, when people were singing happy birthday to him and he like freaked out, like from Mm -hmm. the, the attention on him and like hid under the table, which again, they just kind of thought like, Oh, it's like he's shy, whatever. Then it's like, he was on a soccer team and he scored a goal and everyone was cheering for him and he like freaked out like screaming like couldn't handle it like you know what I mean so some things like that but I think that it became really clear to them uh when he was like I don't know probably like five six or seven ish and he started becoming like he's his um like obsessive compulsiveness was showing like they would find him up in his room in the middle of the night searching for bugs and, like, they would say, like, what are you doing? And he was like, I can't sleep because, like, I'm scared that there could be, like, a bug in here that could crawl on me. And he had to, like, check the whole room. Like, it was, like, this ritual. And, you know, even if somebody checked it, you know, things like that. So we were probably too young to pick up on that stuff. Yeah. But I do remember from, like, a fairly young age um, going to special, you know, quote unquote, special doctor's offices, like for Joe and things like that. And, and again, like as we got a little older, um, at dinner, I'm sure you guys remember this, seeing him always check his plate. Like we would sit down to dinner, he'd lift up his plate and like check under it to Mm -hmm. make sure there wasn't like a bug or something under it. And then he would do it again and then he would do it again, Mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes, you know, someone would have to be like, Joe, stop, you know, like uh, things like that. So, I would say that we kind of just always knew, right? Mm -hmm. Like, for me, like, I think I just always knew that there was something, that things were just harder for him, right? It's not like he couldn't talk or he couldn't walk or he couldn't communicate or something like that, but I just knew that there were, I couldn't have obviously put it into words as a a little kid, but I just knew that he had some limitations emotionally and fears and just things that he had to do that I didn't fully get. Like he had to tie his shoes and retie his shoes and retie his shoes. And it would be like, just come on, like come out. What are you doing? Like, just get out the door, you know? Um, yeah. And obviously we knew that that was hard for my parents, right? Like Mm -hmm. struggling with the, like, do we just tell him to stop and make him like, you know, and like they were battling. We know now, obviously his entire childhood with wondering, like, how do you deal with this? Reading different books, going to different doctors who said conflicting things and, you know, just kind of stuff like that. Yeah, you guys are getting into a lot. I don't know if you realize how much is packed into to this. I want to get to a lot of, you know, how your parents maybe were responded to this or tried to, you know, manage that. But, you know, uh, one key to this is that for you guys, you realized that there were differences mm-hmm. from you guys, but they were almost 
common to you. It was just that, well, this yeah. is how Joe is, it was right? Normal. Yes. Yeah. Did you did you right. realize like does does that play in or how do you see that looking back? Was it just that everybody has different realities? It just kind of felt like, okay, well, that's that's just Joe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just how he was. It was just the way he acted. And we just had to, you know, wait for him or, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. It just felt normal within our family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But to explain it to somebody else was... I couldn't put it into words, like you said. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, honestly, for so long, they didn't have a clear diagnosis. Right. You know, we, we can easily say now, he we know he had OCD, you know, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, for a long time when he was growing up, like, we know now, again, my parents got a lot of conflicting different diagnoses from different doctors. and di- So, like, it wasn't easy to define it when, mm-hmm. when we were growing up. So, I... I appreciate how you said that Emily like to us it was normal but to explain it to somebody else was impossible Mm -hmm. like what do you even say like oh I don't know right like it was hard to explain like they like yeah when when did the diagnosis come in how old was he or how old were you guys I don't really know exactly I mean my parents would know obviously but in terms of later in life like I don't know I mean I know that when he was um he started taking medication, I want to say later, elementary school, uh, middle school-ish was when he started like I'm taking sure. medication, I think, for OCD, and it helped him a lot, mm-hmm. a lot. But, you know, then my parents, I think, um, felt nervous about, like, well, we don't know, like, the long-term impacts of these medicines, and, you know, how do we feel about having him on, like, a cocktail of meds and things, you know what I mean? And so then there would be times where they would wean him off and he would do really well for a little while and then he would start really declining again. And so then maybe they would try something different or go back on the same, you know, it, it was always, and we knew this, like we saw mm-hmm. the pills on the counter, you know what I mean? And we would yeah. see our parents saying, Joe, don't forget to take your medicine, you yeah. know, like we knew. Right. Yeah. I think, so that's actually one part, point I want to get into is, you know, for your parents, I know that, you know, trying to, to manage this and help him mm. was, it was so difficult, right? Because sometimes, by the time I came in, I got to see where they were kind of saying, we don't know whether we should give him more of this medicine or less of this medicine. Mm-hmm. Is this medicine working? Should we try a different one? We just tried one. Yeah. We don't want to switch him too many times. We took him to this doctor, now this doctor. And there was this sense of, we don't know now what is helping and what is hurting. Yeah. And I think they felt trapped by that i mean you guys obviously watched them trying to help him along the way Mm -hmm. what was that experience like either for you guys or or for them Mm -hmm. um well for me there was such a big age gap between me and joe he was 13 years older than me um so when he started declining when he was like i don't know probably around 21 Mm -hmm. i was eight so it's (laughs) like that is just kind of like how i knew him and Mm -hmm. how like you know when I was growing up my parents were going through this and like trying to figure out you know what to do all of the medication stuff um I know that they were just very distracted and, and upset obviously and I think for me like as I got older it made me grow this type of like anger at him because I was like you know, my parents are always upset, Mm -hmm. not at him, but just because Mm -hmm. he's struggling with this. And then I would feel guilty about being angry at him because it's not like he can do anything about it. Like he's trying his best. 
Um, and so I definitely had like um, a struggle with that because, you know, I saw how my parents were struggling, but I also saw how much he was struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just like a, you know, an yeah. inner conflict. I was going to ask about that. So like you had a very unique perspective on this because you were so young. Mm-hmm. What point did it register or did those thoughts start coming in? I don't know. I think maybe during middle school, I would say, um, because you know, he would drive me to school sometimes. Um, and I think I just, just started noticing it around that time. Um, and I was, you know, obviously spending more time with him in the car and then with my parents. And so, yeah, that's something that, you know, I think about a lot actually is that, you know, I was only three years younger than Joe, but Caroline is 13 years younger than Joe. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's a vastly different experience, you know? Um, So, and I feel, I've always felt bad for you in that sense because it's like he got worse as he got older, right? So you didn't really get to experience a lot of like happy memories with him and things like that. Whereas for me, Joe had a lot of good years, you know what I mean? Where he was doing pretty well and because we were close in age, I experienced a lot of that. Like I was in youth group with Joe. I we went on mission trips together. Like we have What was he like on those? Like tell us about those early funny years. Funny and fun. Like you know what I mean? Like he was like I, I I don't even remember like specific things. I just remember like he like we hung out in a group of friends, you know what I mean? Like we were in the same youth group. Like we were friends with each other in that mm-hmm. sense, you know? And like I remember so Joe went to Montclair State University and then I went after he was done but like I remember he took me like a few you know I don't know a few weeks before classes started he drove me to campus like showed me where I would need to park brought me to the library helped me buy all my books showed me around the campus like you know what I mean like I have these memories with him that are like so special you know what I mean and and you know Caroline didn't really get to have that you know because she was so much younger than him and he became so sick the older that he got you know yeah um in some of those early times you know in youth group did he like music or sports or girls was he funny was he he more sit back and observe he liked music um he played the drums uh so he was on the worship team i think maybe before me at the church. Oh, yeah. Um so he played drums and then I started singing. So then we'd like go to worship team together. Um practice and those 7-hour Easter practices. Oh my god. That gosh. was always fun. Oof. He would always be sleeping in the pew <laughs> on the break. <laughs> Just like sitting over in the corner rubbing his head like how are we going to get through the rest of this day? Get me out of here. Um but yeah, he loved me. He loved playing the drums. He had his own drum set in the basement. Um very loud. Yeah loud (laughs) he loved uh video Video games games. (laughs) and i loved video games so he did um yeah you guys played together a lot we played together a lot um and i would just like uh he would teach me how to like you know use the controller we'd play like hockey or Mm -hmm. madden football whatever that yeah yeah yeah. and then (laughs) (laughs) i'd watch him play uh medal of honor um i'd nag him to play so I could just watch Super Smash Super Smash Brothers we would he would always beat me yeah no Um, me and Emily talk about this a lot about how we love watching each other play video games because that's how like we grew up watching Joe play video games and we loved it and like we do that with each other now too 
That's mm-hmm. so cute. That's really sweet. I hate watching video games. Oh. Like, that's not something that I enjoy. And he, he was very patient, too. He was very, mm. like, I was, I think, seven, seven years younger than him. And he would always, uh, I would watch him put together his Legos. Yes. Um, like, the Lego puzzles. Yeah. And, like, I think I would probably bother him a little bit. Like, yeah, trying yeah. to do it myself. And he's like, no, no, no. Yeah, not, not like that. Yeah, yeah. So he let me do my own thing for a little, but he was he was always oh, very patient. Yes. Very sweet. Oh, Joe would yes. never hurt a fly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, just... I remember I would go into his room, like, at night before I would go to bed, and I would pull out all of his, like, green army men and Hess trucks, and I would, like, make a mess in his room, play with it, pull out his, like, map of the United States, and just, like, mess up his room, and I'd be like, okay, good night, and he was just, like, he would sit okay. there with me and just, like, be so patient and... That's, that's so sweet. That's so yeah. cute. Um, if, uh, this is just a, a fun one. I don't know. We might have to edit this out if it doesn't work. But um, if if Joe was going to describe you guys, what would oh, he say oh. about each of you? I thought I was Annoying, nuts. annoying, annoying. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. He, yeah. I mean, he probably, like, I would say he probably understood Emily the most, right? Because Joe was really quiet. Emily, yes. you're pretty yes. mellow and quiet, yeah. right? So he probably had, like, the most of, like, an appreciation yeah. for you. Like, yeah. me, he thought I was nuts. And, like, he would say that to my face. Like, I would be, like, make, you know, make, crying about something, making a big deal oh, yeah. about something. Oh, and yeah. he was like, you are so dramatic. Or, like, here's Caitlin again. She's so loud. Like, you know what I mean? I'd be like, shut up. Like, you're so mean. You know, yeah. it's like typical yeah. brother-sister. Like, he thought I was nuts. I mean, I had teachers in high school that, you know, I had a few years after Joe had them, and, like, I would come in, and they would be like, I, you are so loud, and you never <laughs> shut up, and your brother just sat here quietly, didn't bother anyone, like, he was such a pleasure, and you are so loud, like, I don't understand how you guys are in the same family, you know? That and was, was just like, Every time sorry. he went through the same teacher, it was mm-hmm. like... Yeah, I had your brother and your sister. Your brother was so nice. <laughs> <laughs> and your sister was so freaking loud. And then loud. that's where it would stop. <laughs> oh, man. Oh but, yeah, it was de- – he, he was annoyed by all of us. But oh, yeah. yeah, he thought we were annoying, for sure. Who wouldn't think I mean, three I younger sisters annoying. were annoying? Yeah, yeah I, I was, was a child. Yeah. <laughs> I am annoying. Well, what are It's, you gonna it's say cute to see, I think, the, the relationship. And, you mm-hmm. know, I wish you could see it from outside in, you know, and, mm-hmm. and – yeah. It's, it's very unique, but obviously it, it changed and developed as time went on, you know, and you guys mentioned that his, you know, difficulties grew over time. And so OCD was the big one, I think, mm-hmm. that you guys are describing, right? Where yeah. checking for bugs, checking for, you know, checking his plate before eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and Making sure the door was locked. Yes. The door, oh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was the thing. And that came from an early age. Yeah. And and like you said, I think it's it's important to to call out that a lot of kids do those things yes. and they don't have OCD. Yes, please do. And so do not. again yeah. for your parents to try oh, to yes. navigate yeah. that looking back, mm-hmm. sure, okay, all the pieces line up. Yeah. But you know, playing it forward, there's no way to be able to to add that up and say, "Okay, this is OCD." Totally. Which again speaks to just the the maze, yeah. the puzzle oh, that your yeah. parents had to go through mm-hmm. to try to navigate this mm-hmm. and I just think they did such a wonderful job loving him through it oh yeah I can't oh imagine oh trying to figure that out right and totally just yeah yeah just incredible but so as it as it grew though I know you described one time where you actually witnessed it later on yeah can you describe it so I hope we're referring to the same thing but basically so for 
Joe's last, I think, I guess three years of life, I lived in Colorado. So I was not there for a lot of the things that happened um, at the end. But I would, when I would go home to visit, because I went home a lot, you know what I mean, for the holidays, for the summers, like whatever. Sometimes when I would come home uh, for a visit, I would be alarmed at how much he had declined since the last time I saw him, right? So I remember one time being home, it must have been Christmas or something, and I remember I was laying on the couch reading a book and I could see into the den, which is like another room, you know, that had a couch and Joe was watching TV. And he like laid down on the couch and was watching TV. He got up, he like looked under the pillow that he was laying on, he laid back down. He got up, he pulled like the the couch cushion, like the full cushion out, checked under it, put it back, laid down, got back up, pulled off the other one, down. Uh, like I literally watched him do it like mm. it had to be almost 10 times. And I, I was just watching him like I don't know how he makes it through the day. Like I he is torture and that was him on a ton of meds even mm. like you don't even like it wasn't even at like toward the end there like it wasn't even taking the edge off mm-hmm. like right. um you know i believe at his funeral you know our uncle spoke at his funeral and he did say something about like this is not like i don't have a correct percentage here but there is some percentage of people with ocd that are like beyond help or whatever and it's like a small percentage and of course joe like basically fell in that category you know what i mean where like it got to a point where like it didn't matter like the therapies the medicines like the whatever like his his compulsions took him over it took over to the point where he was then at the very end, like, having breaks with reality. Like, I remember another time when I was visiting at home, he, you know, and toward the end, he had totally stopped working and was, like, barely leaving the house. But my parents would desperately try to get him out to do things. And he was in, like, a program at some point, like a work program that he was going to. And so he was leaving to go to that. And he was like, Mom, like, where are my keys? And she was like, they're in your hand. And he was like, where's my wallet? And she was like, in your other hand. And he was like, do I have my wallet, though? I don't want to forget my wallet. And she was like, Joseph, it's in your hand. And he was like, okay. And then he would go to the door, and he'd come back and be like, Mom, are you sure I'm not forgetting my wallet? And she was like, Joe, it is in your hand. You know it's in your hand. And, like, I didn't understand that. Like, I remember he walked out the door, and I was like, Mom, what? And she was like, Caitlin, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like he's, he had gotten to a point where he didn't even know like what was going on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because he was, his brain was so exhausted and just so wound up from all the checking and all the anxiety and all the everything that like he was not himself anymore. No. Of course. Yeah. And I remember the kind of like the, the breaking point was you know, because he suffered with such intense OCD, he would sit on the couch and watch TV for most of the day because it distracted him from mm-hmm. all of his thoughts. Yeah. And I remember when Sandy hit, we lost power mm-hmm. for Hurricane like, two weeks. Hurricane Sandy. Yeah. We lost power for like two weeks. He couldn't mm-hmm. watch TV. He couldn't do play video games. He had to sit in his own thoughts 24 mm-hmm. hours a day. 
And I think that's when we realized, you know, because he would, you know, go to my parents and we just kind of realized like, oh, this is really bad because he just, you know, didn't have that distraction anymore. That's, dad still, you know, always says that he feels like that time, that two weeks or whatever it was Mm -hmm. where you guys had no power and Mm -hmm. Joe had nothing to distract Mm -hmm. himself was when Joe really fell apart Mm -hmm. and never recovered like he never recovered from that because it was like his thoughts uh, like got the best of him yeah Yeah. and like it swallowed him up I mean the other thing that was hard with Joe is that yes we keep talking about the OCD but that was not his only thing no no. you know like he had a lot of other issues wrapped up into that you know when he was like I want to say he was 18 then somebody came out with a diagnosis that they said they think that he had undiagnosed Asperger's his whole life which now isn't even technically a diagnosis now it's just like you're on the autism spectrum but like that was new yeah he was 18 years old like it was like all this time had gone by all of these doctors all of these tests all of this stuff and then they were like wait a minute I think it's Asperger's and honestly if you look yeah like he did I think that he Probably did. You know what I mean? Like, he had a lot of that. But, like, the point that we're making is just that, like, this was not a clean cut, this is what you have and this is what you do thing. There were a lot of things going on and interacting and a lot of fuzzy, gray stuff. Yeah, I mean, really difficult to navigate this. And, again, it just, it, it makes my heart, like so heavy for your parents Mm -hmm. when I think of Joe that's probably one of the biggest things I'm so thankful that he was born into your family Mm -hmm. yeah so um well let's talk about so the the OCD then obviously you guys were saying that compelled him kind of into the 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 end tell me about kind of where that took him and and how that ended up uh playing out well so after Sandy after Hurricane Sandy he pulled mom aside at one point and I guess, I don't know the details of the conversation, but my understanding is he just kind of expressed to her um, just, like, a lot of, like, crazy thoughts that he was having. And he was, it was getting to the point where he didn't, like, trust himself. He was mm-hmm. scared he was going to do something. Like, I don't know. It, um, and so then, I guess, a few days later, um, after he had talked to my mom about that, he came upstairs after my parents were asleep, I think, or in bed, and he basically, like, woke up dad, and he was like, "Yeah, I turned all the gas on in the house. Like, the house, like you, we gotta get out. And, um, you know, my dad went downstairs, and, like, obviously he hadn't turned on the gas, and he was like, Joe, nothing is on. You didn't do anything. And Joe was like, I thought I did. I thought I did. Like, mm-hmm. he was just getting to this place where, like, he would have a thought. And it would become his reality. And it, exactly. He, it would become his reality. He wouldn't know then what was real and what was not and maybe he would have like okay so like like maybe he'd be like driving his car right and be like if I went crazy right now I could just like run over that person's lawn into their house right like like but then he would be like I think I'm gonna do it I think I'm gonna do it I can't like and so then he became scared to drive and things like that like you get what I'm saying like he could like his thoughts became his reality and then he couldn't decipher between what was real and what was not but basically Mm -hmm. He became out of control to the point where my parents were were scared. I mean, they had, I wasn't living at home at the time, but, you know, Caroline and Emily were home and Joe was expressing to them over a series of days, like things that he was thinking about and and whatever. And so my parents sought counsel and um, they were advised that Joe really needed to be checked in 
you know, to a facility somewhere, which was like obviously horrifying, like that my parents had to do that. Like, but they did, they had to check him into, you know, an inpatient Mm -hmm. facility, essentially a psych ward, you know, and I mean, I think that was probably like the lowest point of their life to that point. I mean, (laughs) you know, they told me to leave the house. Before they called, I think an ambulance came. I wasn't there because I think I was in college or something. And um, so I had left to go, like, do work at the church. But And I had to take the dog. And and I guess an ambulance came while I was there and took him. Do you remember any of that, Caroline? I was, they made sure I was not home. I was probably in school. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So then he was there for several weeks. Mm-hmm. Yes. Know, and yeah. they would visit him every single day. Yeah. And, you know, I I don't know. I mean, did it help? I, I don't know. But basically, he they released him, I remember, the mm-hmm. day yeah. before Thanksgiving. It was a surprise, though. It was a surprise. So yeah. basically, mom came to pick me up at the airport because I was coming home for Thanksgiving. And dad said he was going to visit Joe. But then when he got there, they said, like, do you want to take your son home for Thanksgiving? Like, we think he's okay, like, to leave, like, for good. And so basically, like, I had just gotten back from the airport, Mm -hmm. back to the house. Mom and you guys picked me up. And then dad, I remember, came walking in with Joe. And it was, like, a really, it was a really nice moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was a really good Thanksgiving. And he was, like, he was pretty good for, like, a little yeah. while yeah. after yeah. that. Like, whatever they did there or maybe him just getting that space or whatever, like, it helped him. And, like, he was pretty good. I remember, like, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Like, mm-hmm. he was yeah. doing pretty good. And then I don't really know what, but he just kind of just back again. declined again. Yeah. yeah. It was just up and down all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, so things just kind of, like, after that, just, again, yeah, kept declining. I mean, we could go on for 10 hours with more and more stories, but I think at this point, you know, you get the picture. Like, he was really, really having a hard time. All right, so can you guys tell us about the night that he died? Yeah. I mean, you guys should tell it. You were there. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so what I remember was, I mean, I think it was me, Caroline, and... Matthew. Matthew were in the basement um, watching TV. Something. I was, I had actually just gotten home from youth group. You guys were watching, I remember, Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2 <laughs> in the basement. And I actually do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then all of a sudden I, I hear like raised voices, not like yelling, mm-hmm. but just loud voices. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is going on up there? Like, I knew it had something to do with Joe because that's what a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of the raised voices, you know, like yeah. mm-hmm. they were trying to get through to him or trying to get him to stop doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, I, I got to go check and see what's going on. Like, cause it's, it was, it sounded a little different than usual. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went upstairs and I turn the corner to look in his room and he's face down on the floor. And I think my dad was, you know, yelling his name. My mom had uh, the phone in her hand, like calling 911. And um, I called Matthew, I screamed Matthew, like, 
like to help my dad like you know get him right side up um and the rest of the night was kind of a blur mm-hmm. and basically he he never woke up mm-hmm. uh, yeah i mean um basically i guess like my dad was trying to told joe like all right you need to take a shower tonight you know because that was another thing that was really hard is that like joe um like taking a shower would take him forever because he never felt like he got all the soap off so like it was just hard so my dad was like joe you got to go take a shower like come on and you can't be in there for an hour like you know whatever and and um my dad said that he saw joe basically like go into the bathroom and then like walk back across the hall and then like go back in and then go Mm, back out or something like that and at the time my dad was on the phone with his dad and he was like and he told him he was like dad i gotta go like something's wrong with joe like i'll call you back and basically my dad went into Joe's room and he's like, what's the matter? Like, why aren't you taking a shower? And I guess Joe was like, I can't, I can't breathe. Like he was like sitting down on, on, on his bed and he couldn't catch his breath. Um, and my dad obviously assumed he was having some kind of panic attack. Like it was like, okay, like his anxiety about taking a shower took over. Like he was like, it's okay. Like you don't have to shower, like calm down, you know? Um, but then he still couldn't catch his breath. And my dad was like, Joe, like, if you can't catch your breath, like, I'm going to call 911. And Joe was like, don't call them. Don't call them. I'll be fine. Um, and then he slipped to one knee and fell. Uh, he fell face down on the ground. And, and like, honestly, that was it. Obviously, dad didn't, like, no one knew that it was it at that exact moment. You know, like, from my perspective, I was in Colorado at the time. So I remember Caroline called me and I didn't pick up because I was like watching something or whatever and then she texted me and she was like you need to call me back right now and so I called back and it was weird because she didn't answer the phone a guy answered the phone which I now know was Matt but I thought it was Joe so he was like hello and I was like Joe and he was like no it's Matt and he said you know Kate um Joe passed out and I was like okay and he was like so we just wanted to tell you that that uh, the ambulance is on its way and like Joe passed out and I couldn't register. I just kind of was like, why is he calling me to tell me that Joe fainted? Like people faint. Like why did they call like an ambulance? Like I've fainted before. Like, you know what I mean? Like I was like, what? And he said, it really doesn't look good, Kate. Like it really doesn't look good. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And honestly, I immediately thought, I wonder if he tried to kill himself. That's what, that's the first thing that came to my head was I was like, did he overdose on his meds? Is that what Matt's trying to tell me? Like, did that like, and I was like, what happened? What happened? And he was like, I don't know. I don't know. And basically I ended up on the phone for like a long time. It was like 20 minutes and I heard paramedics arrive. I heard people trying to work on him. I heard my parents like asking the paramedics what's wrong what's wrong and then I heard mom say to you guys like girls get your jackets we're gonna go with them to the hospital we're going to the hospital Mm -hmm. and then you know uh at some point the paramedics came out and said we're so sorry Mm -hmm. you know and at that point there were probably 40 people in our house people kept from like church our friends our family kept flooding in like one after another and it was completely silent in the house for hours just silence we were then waiting for the paramedics and at that point the paramedics had been up there for so long 
that I remember my parents, our parents being like, you know, it, it, if there was something wrong that they could fix, they would have been out of here by now. Because they had been up there for so long, we kind of had already known, like, the fact that they're not rushing him to the hospital right now is not a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when they came down, it was just, I mean, I don't remember a lot of what happened that night. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just remember we were, there was like 40 people in our house sitting in silence for like an, after that, hours yeah. and hours after they left. I mean, I remember that we were in Colorado, Scott, you and I, and, like, um, next thing I knew, like, your sisters were at the door, and they were like, we got you tickets. I don't remember, like, somehow we threw clothes into a bag, and your sisters were driving us to the airport. We took an overnight flight. We landed at LaGuardia at, like, 5 a.m. or something. My cousins picked me up and brought me back to the house, and I mean... It was unreal. I mean, it was unreal. Like, we couldn't believe, like, how did this happen? And, of course, you know, initially, my parents thought the same thing I did. They immediately, my mom went and counted his his pills right away. But they were all there, you know? Like, all the pills were there. And my dad had been with him minutes before. He knew he didn't do something. Like, he was with him. He was talking to him, you know? And so nobody could understand, you know, like, what happened? What was this? Um, we found out a few days later that he had a blood clot, an undetected blood clot that went to his lungs and that was it. Killed him immediately. You know, it it just, it was a freak thing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the week following was an out of body experience. Uh, so Kara, you were saying so that night the big thing you remember is everybody mm-hmm. flooding in and i remember by even by the time we got there mm-hmm. the only thing that had changed was that they had actually said you know that they couldn't bring him back yeah right um but by the time we got there it was still just i think just the family maybe at that point maybe mm-hmm. some other people i don't remember but Still, just silence. Complete yeah. silence. Nobody knew yeah. really what to say, what to think. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of questions still. Yeah. Um, you know, unknowns. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was also... It was it was a traumatic experience, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, already, what you guys are describing, it's so compounded, right? Mm-hmm. So, he has his OCD, which is causing him, you know, a lot of things. Then what we think is an anxiety attack, right? right? On top Mm -hmm. of that. So everyone trying to navigate that. Then obviously it was a health issue that Mm -hmm. finally, you know, Mm -hmm. caused the problem. Um, But then paramedics are there, like so much going on. So I know there was a ton of questions and just unknowns. And Mm -hmm. and for the next few days, we just kind of sat in silence. Yeah. A lot of the time. It was... Kind of numb. I mean, it was basically... So... He, he died on a Sunday. His, um, his, the viewing, like the wake, whatever you want to call it, was Friday, I think. So from Monday through Friday, it was just a constant flow of people Coming. showing up with flowers, food, you know, and like people would just come and just like sit. And like we would sit in silence. Right? I remember like we, we would just sit there, mm-hmm. like just sit there with people and you know, I'll never, ever forget, you know, when Poppy came you know, my grandfather, like, 
there's just a lot there's a lot of memories obviously from that week that are just very very painful it's it was very hard I never obviously never seen my parents like that before no they I mean they we didn't I couldn't even recognize them basically you know I had never seen them like that you know and that's really scary right Mm -hmm. to like be in a position where you feel like are my parents gonna make it make it yeah yeah like Mm -hmm. what like how are we how are we going to get through this Mm -hmm. you know um his wake on that friday night was honestly like the most beautiful thing i've ever seen in my life like Mm. people were wrapped around the the outside of the church building waiting to come in it for four solid it was it was four it felt like hours of of just standing hugging crying standing hugging crying like Mm -hmm. insane like i remember we didn't pee the whole time like we didn't eat we didn't not like nothing like nothing it was we were in heels like what were we thinking like and every person i've ever met in my life ever yep I saw there all in one night. Like, it was like, here is your life, like, walking before you. And it was beautiful, like, to see, like, all these people that wanted to come, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and just give us a hug, like, because of, like, what had happened. And it felt like such a beautiful tribute to him, you know. Um, And then the funeral was the next morning, and it was crazy. And then, you know, we drove up to Cornwall and buried him, which was horrible it was horrible you know and then we had to somehow like get back to our normal life like we went to lunch that day and it was like uh i guess we have to then we went home live on and then there was nothing left to like do Yeah. yeah once the tasks were done yeah you know, like, okay, we just got to, like, make the slideshow. We got to get through the... Yeah. Because a lot that. of times people are, like, you think, like, the week after someone dies is, like, the worst week of your life. And it's, like, not... I mean, everyone is so distracted. It's yeah. when everything is done and you're sitting in your own thoughts alone for... And, yeah. You know. And when you have to go back, like... Yeah. Like, I'm sure you guys... Like, do you remember your first day back at school? Okay. Yeah, I went to school, I think... A week after he yeah. died, I had to go back to school. And, and I mean, I remember, I, like, I flew back to Colorado, like, a few days after the funeral. I will never forget, like, that morning, I was, I was like, I can't go there. Like, I can't face, like, people. Like, mm-hmm. I had a staff meeting that morning, you know, and I felt like everybody was staring at me. Because people would come up to you, like, even in school, like, people come up to me and, like, obviously, you know, they are being so nice and loving and they just want to make sure you're okay but it's just like I have to go and like I feel like I have to like put on a face for these people or else I'm just gonna be sobbing all day right Mm -hmm. while they're like asking me questions and then you you're like doing okay and then someone else comes up to you and starts talking to you about it yeah it's hard I mean it was really really hard and then you know, Emily was engaged. So Joe died in September and then her That's right. Her shower was the next month. Was month in later. October and her wedding was in April. April. And like we decided to just push on with everything. Like we at were first cancel. Emily was like, Let's cancel it all. 
Sorry. Because I didn't want to do it, yeah. um, obviously. Like, I wasn't, like, in the celebratory mood. Yeah. Um, but Ma, I think Mom really wanted to do it. Yeah. And she um, needed that. I think yeah. she needed to do it. And I think Dad knew she needed to do it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we went ahead with it. Um, and it was good. I mean, it was kind of good that we had something yeah. right. to mm-hmm. look forward to and do, I guess. I mean... There was a lot of planning still to be had. And yeah, it distracted us. Yeah, it so. gave us a happy thing to focus on, you know, that year. Yeah. Um, I was not looking forward to having my wedding without him, though. I yeah, mean, of course. That was, like, mm-hmm. something, like, I hadn't thought about until, like, the, the talk about canceling the shower came up. And yeah. then I was like, oh. Yeah, like, yeah this is never going to be what I thought it was going to be. Right. right. So. You know, and of course at your wedding, taking family pictures, I mean, yeah, it was hard. It mm-hmm. was, it was very hard. And, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I think that that was kind of like a defining moment was like taking those family pictures yeah. at your wedding where it was just kind of like one of those things where it was like, we're never going to have like, right. Mm-hmm. Just like we're never gonna have a family photo with him in it again. It's hard. But you know, now here we are. We're six and a half years since he died. And it was his. It was his 35th birthday this week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's... It's hard. <laughs> so, a lot of realizations, obviously, and just processing it, but... Um... Can you guys maybe just speak to specifically that process of trying to comprehend that, trying to comprehend the loss and getting back to normal life and ever moving on? I know, I'll just say, I, for one, you kind of think like, well, life is over. We can't move on from this. Yeah, right. And part of you doesn't want to. Yeah, totally, totally. Because... People have dealt with this. People are dealing with this. People will deal with this. Death is a part of it for all of us, but it is just so hard to move through this portion. Anything you guys remember, any, any portions that you could share with just that transition, everything from yeah, planning your wedding and having to go through with that, or even the wake, you know, I think again, people showing up was part of that process. No, yeah. You guys weren't ready for an outpouring of love, but that was part of the process of moving through this. So, so how do you, how do you take in a loss of this magnitude? Mm-hmm. Let's start there. Yeah. How do you first even handle it? I feel like for me, it was like an interesting experience. Cause I felt like I, was so scared by what had happened. Yeah. That, like, 
I didn't really get to, like, grieve him until, like, years later. Yeah. I think you, I mean, you were traumatized. I mean, how old were you? 15. So you were 15 years old, and, I mean, your brother died in the house when you were there, and you saw it. Like, that's a trauma. What do you mean scared? Just, like, traumatized, I guess. I just, like, by what happened that night. Um, And I feel like I was just, like, I went, like, I think it was, like, a couple years, like, without crying. Like, and then I remember one day, I just, like, it all just kind of flooded to me. Mm. And I, like, had to, I felt like I was grieving him, like, so much later. Yeah. It's, that is, like, weird about grief. Yeah, and so, how did you take that? I mean, were you ready for that? Did you know what? Did you know what was happening? Did something trigger that? Um, I just remember I... I felt... It It was weird, too, because because I was younger, I felt like a, a part that I was, like, thankful for that I was younger was, like, I think it was easier for me to, like, bounce back into, like, my life with my friends and, mm-hmm. like, school. Um, because I wasn't, like, completely emotionally matured you know what I mean right right um and so I kind of just like would go about my life kind of normally and then I got really depressed um and my anxiety was like at an all-time high I think when I was like a junior in high school um and that's when I went to counseling because I was just like so low and I hadn't yet unpacked anything that had happened. And so I was just, you know, like holding it in me for years. Um, And I, you know, I just had to, I had to talk to someone about it. That wasn't already in the the same situation. Yeah. Did that Um, help? Yeah, I mean, it gave me an avenue to just talk and talk about that night and talk about you know, everything else leading up to it. Yeah. Um, because it, you know, obviously, like we said before, it wasn't just that night yeah. that, you know, caused us pain. Like, it was yep. his whole life. Um, totally. So, it's, it wasn't just that to unpack. It was kind of just, like, his whole life. Yeah. There's so many, so many complicated things. I remember right after he died, desperately trying to remember what was the last conversation I had with him? And I don't know. I don't remember the last conversation I had with him because by the end, you could you, were, was, you weren't having conversations with him. He wasn't really having conversations with anyone, right? And so, like, I remember thinking, like, I don't remember. Like, I don't remember. Like, I can't remember. Like, the last time, like, the last time I called, did I talk to him on the phone? I don't think I did. Like, when was the last time I saw him? It must have been when I visited over the summer. I don't even remember. Like, he hardly came out of his room, you know? And, like, then it's like you have this guilt and this, Mm -hmm. there's so much that's so complicated, you know? Because it's not just happy memories, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just, you know, we had this brother that we, you know, loved and was amazing, and he had, you know, was living this amazing life. Like, I remember people asking me after he died, like, oh, was he married? Right. Did he have children? And I was like, no. And not that, obviously, being married with kids right. is, like, the only thing that means you have a life, but the point is, it was hard to say, like, 
That wasn't even no, like, on our radar. He didn't for, even yeah. have like a job. Like he lived in his room at my parents' house and hardly left it. How do you say that to someone right. who's saying to you like, "I'm so sorry." You, you know what I mean? Like, it's so complicated, and it just felt like nobody understood, and nobody no, could understand, no. like, how complicated it was. Even people that would say, like, oh, I lost a brother, and, like, it still wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't, it's like, you still don't, like, you get it to a degree, yes. but there is so much more that From you have no idea. Too. Like, the feelings that I'm feeling, like, totally. the guilt... And, uh, like, you couldn't even unravel it all. And to be clear, we're not saying our pain is worse than other people that have lost people. No, it's no. different. But it's different. And it's, like, it's hard to explain. And, yeah, the guilt. Because, let's all be honest, there were, of course, times during his life where we felt frustrated with him. And we felt like, why are you doing this? Like, just stop. Like, can't you just stop doing that? Because it's like, we can't do, like, normal things that other families do because, like, we're nervous that you're going to freak out. You know, like, I remember on my wedding day that morning, Ugh. Joe was, like, having, a, like, a freak out about, like, his tux. And, like, I, there was, like, a hot minute there where it was, like, what's going to happen? Is he mm-hmm. going to come? Is he going to make it? Is he going to st- Is he going to do the pictures? Is he not going to do the pictures, right? And, like, even in that moment, like, I remember being like, oh, like, can't you just do this? Like, can't you just do this for one day? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's like, and then, of course, you feel guilty about that. Mm-hmm. Of course. Mm-hmm. Like, now he's gone. You hate yourself for ever having a negative thought, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely not saying... Oh, our pain is worse. Of or you, not. Yeah. you don't understand because it's a brother this time, or because whatever. It's not that. It's the healing process is different. Yeah. It's the fact that yes. you guys were grieving and mourning as well as feeling guilty yeah. and confused. Plus the trauma yeah. of how he passed away. There yeah. was a. It was very very complex, and therefore the healing process has been very complex. Super choppy. And yeah. and I think different for all of you. From outside yeah. in, I think you guys hit on something huge. Each of you have said this guilt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's been so hard for me to watch because he could not have been in a more loving family. He could not have been more loved and cared for and had people done more for him. But then to see you guys still carry that guilt mm-hmm. has been so hard. Have any of you processed that at all yet? Maybe with a counselor or just... Over the six years, are, are you making any progress with, you know, the guilt side of it? Yes. I mean, I've processed it with a counselor. Yeah, I think that I have mostly processed that. And, yeah, I do feel like I've made progress. It doesn't mean that it's like... Do you still, you still feel the guilt? Uh, um, I don't know if I feel the guilt as much as I still think about it yeah if that makes sense yeah like it's not so much feeling it mm. it's just like you know i still have thoughts about it yeah um, i i feel the same mm-hmm. yeah um i don't know if i fully processed it yet to be mm-hmm. honest mm-hmm. um i was really i was also really angry in the beginning mm-hmm. um years of being angry and I'm literally like maybe this past year stopped feeling so angry Mm -hmm. about it um 
So it's been a slow go for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. When you say angry, you know, what, what was the anger? Were you angry at Joe, at God, at life? I was angry at God and I was angry at myself, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, plays into the guilt. Um, just why? Like, why him? Mm-hmm. Why us? Why did this happen? Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't. I couldn't get off of that for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I I was stuck for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. up until sort of recently. Mm-hmm. So what would you say recently has changed? And is there anything any reason why? Um I mean, time helps, mm-hmm. but um you know, everything that's been going on with mom um it kind of, you know, like when Joe died, my faith wasn't really my own. Mm. Um, so when that hit, I mean, like my, obviously all our worlds were rocked and yeah. I, I didn't know what to lean on because, you know, you go to church and, mm-hmm. you know, you grow up in a pastor's family and you just, that's how you, that's how you live your life. You live your life going to church and, you know, reading the Bible and, you know all these things that you're taught and then until you're faced with something like that that's when it's kind of tested Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I wasn't ready for that in my faith Mm -hmm. for sure I mean I I I didn't know what to lean on because Mm -hmm. I was so angry at God Mm -hmm. um so I just I held on to that anger because that was the only thing I had Mm -hmm. really um, when it when it came to Joe, so mm. I mean, I I could go through my through my day, you know, like we all had to. Right, um, you were functioning. Yeah, but I just I couldn't talk about it. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't I couldn't really wrap my brain around it. Um, until recently, you know, when everything I'm bringing mom up, but yeah. <laughs> um, until everything happened with our mom. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, I don't know if everybody knows. Yeah, tell, but give us a say. brief, yeah. You know, yeah. What, what's going on with mom? Um, so I think February 12th, uh, mom was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Um, it turned out to be a cancerous tumor. Um, so that was another hit. Huge blow. Yeah. So um, when that happened, I just, I had no... I felt like I, I had no choice but to lean on God because that, I don't know, I don't know what, something mm-hmm. just clicked. Like, yeah. I just, I was desperate. Mm-hmm. So I said to myself, like I said to God, like, if anyone can save her, it's you. Yeah. So please, like, do what, do what you can do. What yeah. I know you can do this time, like, please. Yeah. And... I mean, he brought her home. Like, she, yeah. she came home and... Yeah. I mean, I think that restored, like, a lot of my faith. So, um, I don't know. It's been a rocky walk for me. Oh, but yeah. I, please. For everybody, for everybody. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like it's been so up and down, like, for me personally, in terms of God and Joe's death. You know, it's like, um, I would say, like, very... Quickly after Joe died, I remember thinking, like, I remember saying to someone at the wake, something like, 
look, Joe was suffering so intensely in the end, mentally, like he was a prisoner in his own mind. His life was miserable. He, like, this was like a mercy of God to like allow him to just like go so quickly and like almost painlessly and just like, and and now he's free from that, you Mm -hmm. know? And like at the beginning, I remember like really feeling like that. And then like after some time, I Mm -hmm. really didn't feel like that anymore. Like then I was like, I was like, actually... Right. Uh, screw that like are oh, you yeah. kidding me like oh, yeah. we've like what is that like god like you could have just healed him like you could have snapped your fingers and healed him and he could have lived like a happy full life and like mm. instead like we're left with what like 28 years of like a tortured life and then in two seconds he's gone and now we're left with this like shattered family and like we don't know what to make of it you know and so like then I went through for sure like times of just feeling very angry just questioning God just not understanding like if you're good how can this be you know and just like really wondering and back and forth and back and forth and I would say that like if I'm being honest I really do feel like the place that I'm in now is that I don't know why Joe had to suffer for 28 years and I don't know why he had to go, you know, but I, I find so, so much comfort in the knowledge that like Joe today Mm -hmm. is, I believe in heaven, like free, like free of all of like those demons you know like whatever you want to call it like everything that plagued him you know he's free from that he's whole he's happy Mm -hmm. and he and he is fine you know and like I really do believe that that doesn't mean that every day I'm like no it's totally fine like I feel great about it you know what I mean like of course not like I'm almost, like, in a place where I'm, like, I'm happy for him. I'm sad for us. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like... Well, because it's just so complicated because it's, like, he was suffering every day. Yeah. And it's not like he was going to get better. No. Like, he would... Who knows where he would have been if he was still here today? Like... It's, like... He... Yeah. He wasn't going to get better. Um, He was suffering. And it just... It just makes it such a complicated thing because obviously we're not happy that he's gone. Right. But we wish that he was here healthy. Right. It's like almost selfish of us to be like, right. we wish he could have lived. Like, right. Like, you know what I mean? Because it's like, he... We don't know where he Right. Be. Yeah. Like, who and even knows? It's crazy. Yeah. Like, I obviously, you know, have had these thoughts about that night in his life. And it's funny because every time... I have a dream about him, it's happy. Mm. And, like, I've never once had a dream where he, where it was, like, you know, um, a replay of that night or uh, a nightmare about him. Like, it's always been happy and he's been with us Mm. every time. Wow. Wow. That's a gift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That really is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many people struggle with these thoughts. I just appreciate you guys being honest about this. I think especially coming from people that grew up in the church, grew up as PKs, Christians, yeah, as mm. pastors' children, and to be able to share, like, 
this made me angry at God or made me not understand prayer or these different parts. Um, Well, let me ask you guys, do you think that's okay that you are feeling, have felt these and that you are feeling them, especially in light? And I love what you shared. That was amazing. Yeah. Just it. I mean, that's incredible that mm -hmm. that's, that that's what would drive you back to your faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't understand it like when it was happening. Yeah, I because I don't. I, I I really couldn't explain it. I couldn't explain it to you. But not to say that I'm still I'm still struggling. Everybody I'm is totally still struggling and still asking God why. Like why is this happening to us? Why did this happen to us the way that it happened? Yeah, but I've found some comfort in my faith again which I haven't had for a very long time. Mm. So, it's amazing. And that's, you know, as a pastor, I'm a pastor and so I wanted like so much of me wants to dig into why does God let bad yeah, things yeah. happen to right. good people? Why didn't he just We don't have time for that today. <laughs> we don't and there's oh a million different views on why and whatever, but um what I think is helpful tonight is just hearing that you guys went there, that that's what you felt. Yeah. I think as when I talk with people, they feel that and they think that they are just so far gone. Oh, they yeah. feel like they have now fallen mm-hmm. off the deep end because they have this thought mm-hmm. or this doubt of God. And I think mm-hmm. to hear you guys each saying, oh, this is what we're wrestling through mm-hmm. too. That's huge. And then mm-hmm. to hear your healing processes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very different. Um, you know, Caroline, it comes mm-hmm. through counseling. Emily, it comes through a another tragedy right, right? Yeah. Uh, it comes through time and and even at that you guys are six and a half years after this mm-hmm. and still not not like yeah i'm almost there <laughs> like, yeah i'm still wrestling through oh, this oh yeah. yeah yeah it's like it happened yesterday oh yeah i mean there's times you know where it feels you know like not as raw right. and then there's times obviously where it feels very raw you know but mm-hmm. at the end of the day like just to go back to what you were saying about the God thing, like, I, I, God can handle it. You know, like, that's what I, I, I heard someone say that one time and I just felt like that's such a good way to put it. Like, mm-hmm. God can handle all of your crap. I really do feel that way. You know what I mean? And it's like, and if you are feeling angry at him and questioning him and wondering, he knows anyway, so bring it to him. You know what I mean? And it's like, he can handle it. He really can. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think the beautiful part of that is that Sometimes we think we can't or we shouldn't, yeah. and so you actually go further from God. Yes, you hide. And in saying that, what you're saying is, if you feel angry, if you have those questions, go yeah, like, go closer. Ask him yeah. about that, right? And you got to press through it. Yeah. You know, for me, mm. I expect that healing to come within a few days, usually. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I'm like, but God hasn't told me why. It's been it's been a week, mm-hmm. and then yeah. I get even more angry, right? Yeah. And to yeah. hear it six and a half years later, you're still processing. Mm-hmm. I think that normalizes it for people that are going through this process. Mm-hmm. You know, so thank mm-hmm. you just for being willing to share that. Um, I just wanted to like read. My dad wrote this. Uh, I don't know what you would call it, an essay mm-hmm. about Joe, like yeah. five years after he died, and. Um, I don't know, maybe I could find a way to, like, link to it in the show notes, because it's, like, really beautiful, um, but I don't even know, whatever. The point is, um, 
my dad talks about in here how, you know, sometimes people say things like, you know, good, good things come out of bad things, you know, and can we all say that good things came out of Joe's death? Yeah, sure. Right. Like my dad mentions in here, like, um, yeah, like we reconnected with people that we hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, people like really like rose up and show us like showed us generosity and compassion we felt really loved we felt like people appreciated our son you know like there were so many beautiful things that came from it but never in a million years would we say it's worth it like oh yeah like all of those good things added up together or it made it worth it that joe died of course not like um you know my dad wrote in here um, if you came to me before all of this and said you will reestablish contact with some friends from the past, some old hurts will disappear, and you, Marianne, and the girls will see how much people value and love you, but it will cost you your son. I would have chased you from my presence with a stick. There is no way I would have signed up for that. Not in a million years. Um, but then he says, in the end, he said there was one more good thing that came from all of this. My dear son... I can't read it. Can you read it? My dear son, whom we did everything we could to help, but who suffered so much later that night, was set free from his own frustrations forever. I just like that picture, you know, of Joe being just set free from that forever. There's really two parts of this story. I think there's the Joe side and then there's your side and just first I, I think your dad said it better than any of us could you know that what you guys were saying Joe is now free yeah from those demons from mm -hmm. those struggles he is happier than he's ever been and just whole and you know we don't believe in heaven because of that <laughs> but it is a beautiful thing to understand. And listen, it is faith. A lot of people don't believe in heaven, which is okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, faith is believing that there is a heaven, right? That there is life after this. Right. And since we do, and what a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> to <laughs> think, and now he is there, full, happy, healthy, surrounded yeah. with people that love him yeah, uh -huh. and that he loves. Uh -huh. <laughs> but for you guys, um, there's still a lot of pain yeah. and brokenness and a lot still to sort through. Um, I guess just as we start to close out, um, what's the path? Where are you guys right now? And... What's the path forward for you in your healing process? Well, you know, as Emily mentioned, just, I mean, one month ago, we yeah. found out in, you know, an equally dramatic way, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that our mom had a brain tumor and uh, she had brain surgery, found out it was cancerous. I mean, it's been, it's been a, just a nightmare month, you know, yeah. again. And there have just been a, a lot of moments over this last month where we've stared at each other and said, 
how can this be happening to us again? Like, right. I, I know people, like, I literally know people where, like, the worst thing that's happened to them is, like, their car broke down on the mm-hmm. highway. You know what I mean? And it's like, how can this possibly be happening to us again? Mm-hmm. Just six years right. later. Like, we're not over the first thing. Like, you know what right. I mean? And it's like, but I don't know what it is. I But I do feel like God is using this, you know, and I think that he's refining us and drawing us to himself. And mm. um, like I said, I do just feel uh, now, you know, I do just have a sense of just gratitude that Joe is happy and healthy and whole. Like we've said several times now, you know, I do feel just, that gratitude for that but you know I I want his memory to live on I want to Mm -hmm. honor him you know and his Mm. and his life and um you know it means so much to us when people remember him you know Mm -hmm. his his best friend you know uh when he was alive was Matt Corbett Mm -hmm. and you know Matt still reaches out he reaches out every year you know on Joe's birthday and and on the day that he died, and it just, it means so much, you know, people who, who love Joe, you know, and, and remember him, and that, that's, that's really important, you know, like, that, that means a lot. Mm-hmm. It really does, but I just, I look forward to, to seeing him again one day. about for you guys what does the process forward look like Oof. Uh, <laughs> um i don't know <laughs> um you know with all the recent stuff that's happened with mom it's definitely brought up a lot of stuff for me yeah um mm-hmm. i've kind of you know, I've been struggling with just, <sighs> just feeling like Caitlin, what you were saying of just like, this is happening again, yeah. and I don't know why this is happening again. Right. Um, and you know, I'm still trying to. You know, I I have been going to counseling, and that's kind of what's been helping me stay grounded. And even like stuff that she said to me is like. You, you have to stop grouping your trauma. Yeah. So you have to stop looking at, like, this past month and wrapping it into what happened with your brother and just creating this big, scary yeah. headspace. Um, and that's something that that's is good. just really important. Um, it's important to fact check what's happening now, like, you know, even with, mom and joe mom is here she's with us she's happy you know joe is is free from all that he was suffering and he's you know so i just think that it's important to to start celebrating his life yes and Mm. not mourning him Yeah. yeah i love that you know we had last so his birthday is in march Mm -hmm. and uh, Joe loved, like we said, watching sports, and he liked the Devils, the hockey team. Mm-hmm. And last year, it was so crazy. 
on his birthday, the Devils had a home game, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we were going to go, and then COVID ruined it. Right. But we <laughs> thought that that was going to be, like, that would have been a really cool thing, way right? to, like, yeah. instead of, like, grieving on his birthday, yeah. celebrating him on his birthday, yeah. and going and doing something like, I don't care about hockey, neither do you guys, yeah. but we wanted to go, like, because Joe would have wanted to do that, yeah. you know, and that's something that I, I want to do moving mm-hmm. forward, like, yeah. do, like, yeah, things yeah. and mm-hmm. celebration, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. I agree. Yeah, just celebrating his life, celebrating what he loved, celebrating when he was, when he was good, because there were years when mm-hmm. he was really good, yeah. and... I feel like it's really easy to forget those years. Yes. Yes. I don't want to, obviously. Nobody does. I mean, thankfully, we have some Wildwood videos that... Yeah, we have good home home videos. Some good home videos um, of when he was good, and he looked amazing. Oh, yeah. I just, I want to, like, focus more on that, and... Obviously, there's still healing to be done. Um, yeah. It's it's never going to fully go away, no. like Dad said. Of you course. know, we're walking, but we're walking with a limp. Yeah. Probably forever. Yeah. Um, but every day is a battle, <laughs> I think, for me and my faith. Um, yeah. But, yeah, just, just focusing on God heals, and he did heal Joe. Yeah. Just not in the way that we necessarily imagined or wanted. Yeah. Um, so. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, it's a lot of snot. Yeah. Well, guys, this is incredibly complex, you know, as far as the, the layers to this. But I think that's the beauty of it is that you guys have hit on so many different things. Mm. Um, and... Hopefully, you know, I know for us, this is what we wanted the podcast to do for people is just to maybe share some of these most vulnerable things with or without answers. Yeah. Mm. I think people's stories are really powerful. I just do. And you're right. I don't think that it has to always be tied up in a neat little bow where it's like, and now don't worry. Everyone lived happily ever after. (laughs) Like, you know what? It's not reality. This is earth. You know, this is planet earth and like things are challenging you know and I but I still think that people's stories are really powerful um and and not like I don't want to just like tell a bunch of depressing stories and then everyone just goes to bed upset like not that either but just God shows up in ways that you wouldn't expect or Mm -hmm. people show up in ways that you wouldn't expect or whatever you know there's power in people's stories and there's something to be learned from everyone's story I know that I've been touched by every person that's shared you know Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think what you guys are painting is that it's it's us waking up to God and what he's doing all along because yeah. we're so I know, we we were just so broken yeah. and it's this and you know to watch him work through this and and again, Emily, I think it's so powerful what you shared of just that even in in tragedies, you know, God brings us back. And so uh, you know, there is a lot of processing to do through this, but I hope you guys realize that that this isn't just a sad story. Yeah. Um, it's actually truly helpful for a lot of us, myself included, because again, you guys to be able to share the struggle through it and then six and a half years later to still be processing through that. Yeah. But waking up to God along the way and allowing him to do that work. I think it's beautiful to see that happen. And 
again, for your mom and what she's going through, for that to already have redemptive value. Yeah. And then we'll continue to trust God, you know, through that. Yes. Yeah. It's um, it's really powerful. So I appreciate you guys sharing and being so being willing to go so far into that. Thanks for taking over tonight, yeah. babe. Thank you. Anything you want Thanks, to close babe. us out with? Any closing <laughs> thoughts from you? Too? I got nothing. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a shell. Well. <laughs> Good night, folks. I'm a shell of a human. <laughs> uh. Well, guys, thanks for joining us today. We hope that uh, this podcast is helpful. You can uh, email us, go to our website, uh, hit us up on the Instagram, whatever it is. The Instagram? On, on the okay, I- Grandpa. <laughs> on the interwebs. <laughs> oh, Thank you, Grandpa goodness. Scott. <laughs> we would love to connect. So oh, love you guys. We love you, Joe. We miss you, buddy. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to see you soon. Love you guys. Love you. Love you. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to like and subscribe right now before you go. And hey, if you want to toss us a five-star rating, I would love you forever. Check us out next week for our next episode. You can catch So What Else anywhere you get your podcasts or at CaitlinElliott.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at so.what.else. Artwork by Caroline Chicola and editing and everything else by Scott Elliott. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.